2: Josh Brown, why do I sound slightly ill?
3: I don't know, man. Like, you seem fine, but your voice is just a little bit off. It's just a little bit off, so I do
2: apologise for being a little bit. A little bit curdled, a little bit off, a little bit stinking up the fridge. You're what stinking you up this
3: gaff, I'm yeah, telling you
2: that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's Pong, 1973, left, right and centre. <laughs> but for now, it's also the winder, where we pick up some sort of topic to debate over or just run down whatever's happening in the, in the world of gaming, the most interesting things to talk about. Josh Brown, Hi. there's an actual new video game. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? The first one since, what, three months? And when was you- Elden Ring. Oh, that
3: well, we were trying to figure this out in a Tesco the other day. Yeah. We were like trying to do the math of how long has it been <laughs> since Elden Ring came out? Because it feels like. Remember back in the day when we had new video games. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But it, I mean it's it's very apt as well that, yes. you know, we were playing uh, it's Trek to Yomi. It is, by the way. Yes. If you guys don't know, that came out on Trek Friday. Trek It's on um, Game Pass. You can yes. buy it on PlayStation um, 4 or 5 or what have you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and me and Scott have essentially kind of differing opinion. We had that, a hell of a weekend say. of disagreeing because certainly
2: I did. I saw Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, genuinely think it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. You saw Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, absolutely loved it. I really did. You played Trek to Yomi and said, this is one of the worst things I've ever played, or whatever. You gave up after like, the first hour, you are like, this is horrible. Yeah. I played Trek to Yomi, this is one of the best things I've ever played. So <laughs> we were very classic us for the last weekend, um, and we've traded a lot of back and forth hot takes. Um, movie stuff, we're going to have to, can you give a 30 second or a few seconds thoughts? A few
3: seconds thoughts, on the old certainly can. Doctor Strange, because You slated it last in last week's (laughs) podcast. Um I really rated it, you know. It's not kind of a tectonic shift for the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe in terms of its story, but it's a kind of like isolated, standalone thing. I really rated it. I thought what they did with Strange and Wanda was great. Sam Raimi's direction is awesome, and that's some of the most inventive set pieces in the MCU, and that was enough to get me by. A lot of the stuff that I imagine some people are going to be really interested in, like mm. the um, Illuminati kind of questions and all the stuff around potential cameos, I wasn't there for that. No. So that stuff, you know, kind of just went straight over my head, but the actual character stuff, the actual set pieces, it's not one of my favorite MCU movies, but no. it's good, I think.
2: I will say that there was no character writing in that movie. I thought, thought it was me. one scene towards the end where it actually felt like two people were actually having a conversation. But Heard the rest me, yes. of it, I just, who who's America Chavez? Who's What's going on? Who's this person that we're hanging the entire movie on? They're this, just, I, whatever. This is a thing for if true. we ever launch a movie version of the windup. But yes. people can come find us on social media. I tweeted out saying, move over Thor: the dark world. This is the new worst MCU movie.
3: That's like, I uh, listen, listen. <laughs> not to turn this into a film podcast i totally get it i totally get people being divisive it being divisive sorry i totally get people coming out of it feeling disappointed at certain aspects Mm. there are certain flaws with the movie that i fully agree with the criticisms of that said good lord comparing this to Thor: the dark world man is just crazy all the All the Dark's, Darks
2: Worlds Asgardian segments were
3: better put together
2: that's, than all of this. <laughs> I'll <not> sit <laughs> on and buy that. <laughs> that is nuts.
1: The only <laughs> oh, thing worse than this
2: was The Eternals, that's no, only because I've not seen it. I mean, this, oh, you, this was barely a movie. You wind me up. Barely a movie. Anyway, speaking of things to continue getting wound up about, Trek to Yomi, which yes. is um, Flying Wild Hog's newest game. I don't actually know what they've done before, but it is published by Devolver, so it kind of um, had a lot of marketing around it in terms of being the next big Devolver release. And um, it's like a black and white, um, sort of like an ode to Kurosawa era um, Japanese cinema or like old school Japanese cinema. Um, All black and white, all very grainy, all like, that's the thing that I'm absolutely uh, loving about it. But I think you should open because um, there are, or there is, especially one major massive flaw. And that's what a lot of people started noticing in the gameplay footage um, around launch. And that's the combat because um, the combat is very clunky and I just sort of had to force myself to accept it. And I think that once you unlock a new, a few moves with it Um, and there's enough of like an animation priority to it that if you sort of just go with what they're trying to go for and give you these cool well choreographed sword fights you can have fun with it but it's clunky af
3: it it really is you know i was looking forward to this game all month i thought it came out last (laughs) month and i was messaging messaging you being like whoa i can't wait for this game to come Uh, out now it's finally out i jumped into it on friday night uh and yeah the first thing that i noticed was just how rough the combat is because like you said you know it looks beautiful the presentation Mm. of the game is incredible the actual playing of it which is what you're doing virtually every second in the game just to me man is is so boring
2: really it's so um, you know drink because the thing is they they do like a trade-off where they give you like really like kind of basic almost tank controls yeah, like old school Resident Evil for me it reminded me a lot of Onimusha like the original couple Onimushas especially two where it's just lots of big wide-angled shots and you're just a tiny little dude running around inside these shots but the only gameplay you have is left analog stick and then one interaction button totally I I love that
3: the thing is I'm, I'm coming off um Saifu, you know, I'm coming off okay. Saifu, sorry. Either. I'm coming off um Sakiro, you know, mm. I'm coming off these games that are so Just visceral and so tactile in terms of the combat, and yeah, it's not fair to maybe compare a fifteen dollar (laughs) game to a to a you know triple A game like Sekiro, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you know, it's just it just didn't do anything for me at all, and I just I don't agree that they're even well choreographed fights because I'm using these same combos over and over, and I know that you continue to unlock more. You know, I unlocked a lot more my second session where I got finishes, I got you know combos between heavy and light attacks, Mm -hmm. I got. I got all of that stuff, Mm -hmm. but I didn't find that they actually added anything to the combat mechanically. Like there were extra options, but the enemy variety, at least in my first hour and a half, has been so limited that, you know, it's just, block their attacks, you know, move back a little bit, then then strike oh, back. See, it just, it didn't have that level of tactility that I needed, you know? I, I might as well have been swiping my sword through just air.
2: Well, the thing, I think they, I think that's all intentional in terms of enemy variety because how many of those old school films are, as soon as a samurai enters the picture, every single bandit gets cut down in one swipe. So like, that was, that's what that felt like to me. And like, as much as the, like the combat itself, the thing that I think people get hung up on, and I was like, this is such a weird beat, is that it is all, um, side it's all like side on camera angles in terms of combat and it has been so far anyway i'm about an hour and a half in um, but you have to press x slash a to uh to turn around um, and you do like you'll fight you know fighting dudes coming t- at you from the left but someone's about to hit you from behind so it's like okay hit with um square triangle or x and y and then press that other button face button to turn around and fight someone else yeah. Now you do get um turnaround moves and you start getting more positioning stuff as you go forward and it feels like they're building this like whole thing ar- around positioning and like you know when you uh, deflect you get the ability to then switch places with someone so if you're fighting a whole bunch of different dudes then you can factor that in but it just feels a bit clumsy because of how much like the reason i said cinematic i'd stand by i think they have like really gorgeous animations like and the in the especially with like some of the backdrops like some of the places not to give away the story but like that you're going to be fighting in amongst some um dilapidated villages or some villages that are being attacked this is the opening of the game um, and so there's a lot of stuff going on behind you and they really fill that frame out. So yeah. like when you're on like a bridge or you're fighting in front of a waterfall or a river or something, and the the frame is filled out behind you and all you see is like the silhouettes of your, both your guys, like, you know, parrying once and then swiping once and Blood Ox everywhere.
3: That looks so cool. It looks cool. It absolutely does. It's a game <laughs> it that like visually Apple. is incredibly impressive. If I, you know, watched you playing through it, right. I would have thought it would be, mm. like, the best game I had ever, ever played. But right. for me, it's exactly the same as Guardians of the Galaxy in Ooh. that every time I boot it up and I'm in kind of like a cutscene scene or if I'm just walking around and I'm drinking it in and I, I'm, I'm just thinking, I cannot believe the developers have achieved this. Look right. at this world, you know, like, look at the atmosphere that they've packed into it. Look at these little animations that are here mm. and there. Look at these details. And then I get into a combat encounter and then I turn it off after 10 minutes <laughs> because it's not engaging me in a way at all. I, I, I do think it's like recommendable, especially if you've got Game Pass to give it a try because mm. you might get further with the combat than me. But right now, you know, I was telling you this last night, I, I, I almost want to put it down and not force myself through it because mm. I'm in such a mechanical driven gaming mood at the moment that this isn't scratching the itch and it's almost not fair because I can't really put it up against, you know, well, that's, things that do this stuff better.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing I don't think they, I don't think that's what they're going for. Like they like they like I've played like I said about an hour and a half and they've given me more abilities like been able to turn around on the spot, do counters in a different direction. I've unlocked the ability to counter regardless of which direction I'm being attacked and so you can do stylish little turnarounds and blocks and parries and stuff. And sometimes those things chain together. Like I did have like a satisfying thing cuz like they want to make it so that every sword swipe pretty much kills a guy unless you're fighting someone um who's like a boss or something. And so like that but I like that. Like, like I like chaining those things together and that's where the satisfaction comes but I absolutely think that the major positive and what they're going for is the cinematic side of it the framing of um like the the story they're telling of like Hiroki being the samurai who um leaves the village and goes on like a revenge mission and what comes from that and so like I was just drinking in the visuals I think it looks unbelievably good like it looks real for the most part like it looks like an old piece of film that's been that's playable I love that stuff I
3: think one of the big differences between my playthrough and yours it seems to be from what you're saying is that I'm playing it on hard the challenge oh. difficulty, oh, see, so yeah, I went
2: down the middle one. I always right. go medium on like a gamer just
3: because I was again, like, I was after, the, I was like, okay, I like the idea mm. of this combat, I want to see what it has to offer, I want to see all of its tactical options. And yeah, so it's when you're talking about you know, every enemy goes down in one slice or so, ah. it absolutely, they absolutely do no not No way, oh, so the like fact that they changed that things, um, a lot more. So I might actually go through it and knock the difficulty down It just kind of breeze through <laughs> it. I, I'm not, I, I, I hesitate to say that that's a conclusion because if you're, if you want the combat to just be skipped. Mm. I don't think that's necessarily a no, cool But I, thing. but
2: like you know, thematically or uh, the story they're telling or the, or the power that Hiroki has as like a lifetime samurai, it makes sense that you deflect ones, cut down. Next guy, deflect, cut down. You Maybe you do a combo that it stuns a guy and then you finish them and behead them. And it's like, that is why I love it. Like, right. like if you take that away and you're like hounding me with enemies or doing what you're saying where they take a couple of hits, that gets away from the idea that the sword does- like what the sword is. Like, right. I think that's funny that the hard mode would do that. Um, I have, well, This is a complete side note. I don't know why you come down on this but I ne- <laughs> this would be the weirdest thing to say. I never trust a hard mode in a game. Like, right. I just don't trust it. I feel, like, I feel like developers design something in a certain way and hard mode is after that. Like if hard was what they were designing for the majority of development it would become their medium like it would become their go-to. And so this is a weird, again, it's a weird thing to phrase. Yeah. But, you know, you think of the way from software design their games, there's no difficulty sliders. And I always feel like if any developer has to put in difficulty sliders, then they're thinking about HP allocation, attack damage, maybe enemy aggression or AI. But it's they come after. So I'm always like, what was the most purest version of what you designed before you then tweaked it? And so I always go down medium because I don't trust that you'll have got it right, quote unquote, in the hard mode? I know what you mean. There are, there are is a lot
3: it. of lazy um, hard mods out yes. there. Not necessarily saying that this is one of them, mm. But at the same time, there are so many good hard modes out yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, you know... Oh, you've, Final Fantasy Seven like, Remake. Exactly, I like idol, you've yeah. talked about Final Fantasy Seven Remakes before. You know, I really like the witches hard mode, for mm. instance. Uh, there are a lot of good hard modes out there, so I don't just like, kind of write them off, especially if, I, like I said, I want something a bit more mm. challenging. And to be fair, this was a game where I didn't just want to breeze through it. I was like, okay, show me what you've got in yep. terms of, you know, the mechanics that you have here. And it just didn't quite click. Maybe now that you mention this, though, I will go back through it and try it on a more kind of story-driven cinematic well, level level, but. When we eventually get to the story, I also have some problems no, with totally. that as well. No, <laughs>
2: totally. No, we can pivot into the story in a sec. One very, it's the thing is with this combat system, you can drill it down to a very specific animation, and it's the way that parries work because they don't. And yeah, I don't know if it's different on hard if the timings are different, but in uh, medium or regular or whatever, um, you don't parry in the way that every other video game in history does, where you're waiting to hit the button as a thing is about to connect. You have to hit parry as their animation starts. Yeah. So even as their like as their sword is made like you know at the backswing about to come in, that's when you parry because. I mentioned animation priority earlier that's how you get those cinematic fights because if you get the timing right then you also swing in and just block them and then you take them out and that stuff feels really really cool but you need to retrain your brain in terms of how the parries work I just it was weird because the first couple times I got hit and then I parried beautifully and killed a guy and I got the achievement saying like Won the first fight,
3: and I was like, "That felt incredible." And so I was like, "Okay, I get it, but it's clumsy and weird." I am smiling over here um, <laughs> for those of you who obviously can't see me because after coming off Sifu and after coming off Sekiro, who's who has just incredible the parry, most lightning fast parries yeah, ever, yeah. incredible parry based gameplay. And um, the minute that I realised uh, that parries weren't for me in this game was almost the moment it was dead because yeah. it wasn't a problem with retraining my brain. I kind of got that down quickly. It was just I thought the parries weren't satisfying and I thought Ooh. they were a little boring to pull off because I was pulling them off all the time right. you know, even for like these harder enemies mm-hmm. that you know take so many hits and I was just doing it I was hitting people and it became like Assassin's Creed 2 you know when you're just not even engaging uh, yeah, you're yeah. just yeah. waiting for someone to attack you are hitting the button mm. and even on hard mode the uh, the timing for the parries are incredibly it's still generous huge, yeah yeah you know what I mean so it's, you're not going to miss <laughs> them really as long as you see that little um, bit of light that see, the thing is happening like- and I just thought Like, it was cinematic, sure, for the first time, but the idea of doing that for a full five hours just... It wasn't really appealing. It's
2: weird because for me, like the combat is such a small portion of why I'm loving it. Like it's it is absolutely the I keep keep using cinematic. It's so immersive. Like the whole everything is so rain swept and muddy. The village that you're in feels like it's really struggling. And even in the one of the opening shots of the game, you walk down the main street of the village and you see the temple that you're training at or the dojo, like at the at the top of the stairs and everything. And it's like the whole place is is sort of like looking up to who you are and like who you represent and everything and the power that you have as a samurai in that world or in that village and then um, people even say that like um, you know, oh my god there's a samurai here like we're all saved and like I love the way they frame all that stuff and like I said because it's so rain swept and stormy and yeah. like I, I know there's a bit um, it's a bit like half an hour 45 minutes into the game where like a lightning bolt strikes like a really big oak tree like behind you as you're fighting and you're just fighting guys in front of this tree as it falls in like what feels like slow motion and I was yeah. like this is the coolest thing in the world
3: I mean yeah I would 100% agree with that you know I think it's a great testament to fixed camera angles mm. because the compositions that the developers developers have come up with every single time you go on to the next screen yes. in the next fight and what have you like it's, it's always incredibly well staged it's mm. always beautiful to look at like you said it has this tangibility with the smoke with the fire with the lightning in the background mm. it has this depth to it a depth to the image that is just incredibly striking and like you said at the start as well you know a great ode to the samurai movies that it's obviously based on it's just while again while I can appreciate that it's something I'd rather watch than play
2: right right I think it, it also like I mean, it's worth saying that it can fall down at a moment's notice if you miss that timing window or like if you you know you get mobbed by a few guys while you're trying to press the button to attack in the other direction like that stuff it, 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 it can quite easily fall apart I just I quite appreciate them sort of going like it's like if you pie chart it it's like 70% um like storytelling and immersion and just, just drinking this like, like this really painterly sort of version of this world that we've done and then 30% combat but there is a lot of combat to be done yeah. but in terms of the appeal it's everything other than the combat um, but for me I think it's just like I like what they're going for that I can kind of I just remember because I read a lot about the NAF combat and then I saw it in some of the gameplay clips and I was like oh god this this looks terrible um, and then when I like, slay my first couple of enemies I was like okay it's enough. I can go with this. Like <laughs> if all I have to do in a game is push square literally to get through, but everything else is great. I'll still like that. Cause right. that's kind of just what they're going for. And like, yeah, it's weird. Cause it is quite clunky. Um, but I've gotten more fleshed out moves as I've gone. And um, we pivot into the stories uh, stuff though, because what's your thoughts on that stuff? Like you play as Hiroki who like you initially play, play as them uh, as a child, learning how to fight and everything. Um, and then we'll not, we'll not do uh, no. too many spoilers. Like, I mean, we can't really, we've only played it for like an hour and a bit anyway. Um, but yeah, you play as a rookie and they're the main character they uh grow up as a samurai and then something happens to the village and they go on a bit of a revenge kick and that's as much
3: as i'm gonna say for now 100 percent. i think that's all you need to say because uh, again like i said i've not played loads of this game Mm. it's just the fact that it has made a bad first impression on me both in terms of the combat and in terms of that story and it's not Mm. necessarily because that story that you mentioned there and that setup is told poorly like like we were saying you know it's told in a really cinematic way Mm -hmm. it's just that the idea of you know a kid seeing their village decimated growing up to you know get some kind of revenge is a story that I've seen in both games and movies so many times over the past year or so you know I've just seen it in the Northman I played it in Assassin's Creed Valhalla (laughs) I had a kind of version of it in Sekiro we had it in Sifu you know what I mean we had we had versions of this so many different times and when that was the setup, I was like I understand why you've done this I understand what inspirations you're pulling from. But I just kind of thought, can I go through another one of these again? Can I go through See- this setup in this arc? one more time and they might do something interesting with it later on. I'm definitely not saying that they won't. Mm. It was just that kind of gut feeling first impression of this is a little bit rote, man.
2: Yeah. It's, it's weird because for me, when you you messaged me that like over the weekend and I was like, I didn't even think of it that way because I'm always just like, well, what are they going for? How well did they deliver on it? And in this case, I was like, well, this is such a well-worn trope, almost not necessarily birthed by the original, the movies that it's paying tribute to, but like just as a genre trope, I'm like, okay, what are you going to do with it? And this is going to be more subjective where like I can take a very passionately delivered, basic thing and um, if it's just even if it's just like revenge mission 101 if it's done well enough I'll still appreciate that or enjoy it or whatever and um, not that you're like not but I mean no, that's my overall approach kind of thing um but also I was like this feels so intentional in like you are you're painting with a certain set of brushes in a certain way like like certain um you know wide brushes that we've seen many times before that I'm gonna look for the details in between so it was for me it was um I think the character's called Aiko and um, I liked her agency in the opening like even the fact that she's accompanying you around the village and is able to have some agency in the, in what then happens later yeah. and then what happens after the time jump where she is then placed I really loved that and so um, it felt like if you're gonna take old school expected tropes I know this is all sounding so vague but then I was gonna notice the smaller things um, and the thing that they do with uh, one of the attackers let's say in the village the way that scene goes I didn't expect um, but it, which is also all to say you were saying that you hope they do something with it going forward they yeah. very much do Okay, um, and it's like I mean even if you know what Yomi is like you'll kind of know that you'll know to expect something else. Let's say I thought Yumi was a village for the longest time. Right. It ain't.
3: I have no idea. What exactly. Is.
2: So I didn't know that for a while. Um, but yeah, where the story goes, um, it's yeah, I didn't expect that. And so where I am in the story is not what I expected at all. And so I'm kind of just curious what where oh, yeah. they go from that, and they do a lot more um, personable stuff with Hiroki, like um, with the village and, and sort of the, the weight of protecting the village and what that meant, and um, yeah, they do a lot with that. I want to keep it as vague as possible. If enough people talk about this, maybe we'll do a spoiler cast or something for it. Um, but yeah, it's very true that it's a road setup. Yeah. Um, but that kind of made me go. I hope you're doing something cool with this. And then I I think they've done enough. Yeah. But I thought they'd done enough even in the opening ten minutes. So like <laughs> there is that.
3: Well, this is it. and I must admit, like this is incredibly. Uh, subjective on my part, because Mm. it's just because the combat didn't um, engage with me, it's because that story, I've just seen it too many times, Mm -hmm. that I didn't even want to give it the benefit of the Hold
1: up, what was that?
0: out because, you know, in that moment I was thinking, well,
3: if I wanted this story and I wanted to appreciate it rather than having to Appreciate it after slugging through some bad combat. Mm. I would just, I would just watch a movie. <laughs> or you would not like do something
2: else? That whole opening kind of half hour though, where it's re- <clears throat> lots of really big wide angles and lots of really well framed shots of the village. Were you not like, oh my god, this is like a next level thing? Oh,
3: immediately, like when you first get control of your character and you're just doing kind of like the training and mm. you're going through the village. I thought this, this is unbelievable. This has something to it. Mm-hmm. But then there was just, there was just so much combat. That mm. it, it was the exact same thing as Guardians Man, where every time I wasn't in combat, I was thinking, this is an incredible game. I want to play more <laughs> of it. But it's just, you know, combat is just such a large part of games generally. And mm. if you don't get that right for me, or you make it something that you just want to skip, uh, something's I, gone wrong.
2: I wonder if we should do video games that should have ditched their combat. And yeah? I might throw out Bioshock. Ooh. Because Bioshock oh. is better, I think, would be better as a uh, walking sim, let's say, as a gone home style exploration first person thing than any other combat that's in the shot game.
3: In Classico's fashion, I disagree, but <laughs> that's the exact kind of sentiment I have mm. with uh, Yomi at the moment mm. in that, like, there's a great game in there. It's kind of like when, um, you know, Soma, the game yes. from, uh, is it Frictional Games? Who did Amnesia?
2: Frictional or Fractional, yeah. One of the yeah, two.
3: yeah, anyway. No, 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 the point. The mm. point is that, that was kind of like a horror story-driven experience, but they actually released a mode where you could essentially take the enemies out and yes. skip the stealth sections, and it's like if they could do that with Yomi, maybe I would Maybe I would enjoy it more. It's interesting because like in um, in Yomi's
2: case, like I said, it's like serviceable just enough. But the whole time I'm playing it in the combat bits, I am like, this is ropey, this is clunky. And uh, and it does, as the game stretches out, as the levels get bigger, you do start getting some weird checkpoint problems where like the only time you get checkpointed is at the shrines where you get your health back. Yeah. Um, but some of them are hidden. Some of the checkpoints are like hidden. And I was like, why? Like I, I, I encourage me to explore, but the only thing I'm finding when I explore is a checkpoint. So I then have to backtrack through the... A secret path to get back on the main path to do the next thing I was going to do anyway just checkpoint me there like that's <laughs> weird um, but yeah like there's there are potentially issues with that I guess I'll see how it goes but um, yeah I'm loving it but I guess I'm, I'm going to see how it goes like and, and they've given me like I said a few additional moves I've definitely gotten used to the the back and forward weird switching stance thing um, and when you string a bunch of moves together and you do take everyone out in this big blur of claret and beheadings I'm like this is sick yeah um, but that, that is quite few and far between just because of how many animations you're fighting to even do something cool uh, in the first place I
3: mean I think I would I would echo that and say that I think everyone should give it a go if they're able to especially mm. if you've got Game Pass because you know you're not really losing out other than drunk. your time you're your time I suppose so definitely try it you know it's telling that the reviews are so scattered you know you've got 8s 9s mm. out of 10s you've got 5 out of 10s and what like have you Doctor Strange exactly Love like Doctor Strange it's yeah. going to come down to a lot of personal preference stuff and on that final note mm. I will all I will also say that my favourite Kurosawa films are actually his later in color ones, so maybe that colors-
2: no, no, totally. My was uh, was Ran? Him. Ran was one of his, wasn't man it? Ran was, yes. Ran is my absolute favourite. and that owns, was, Yeah, Ran absolutely owns. Yes. That thing is incredible. A, hell of a f- Just a literal feat of cinema. The amount of people that are in every one of those frames. Oh, go, go watch Ran. If anyone's listening <laughs> to this and you're thinking about um, Kurosawa films, of Trek to Yomi or even Ghost of Tsushima's Black and White Mode or whatever has made you think, I should go watch some old school Japanese cinema, go watch Ran. Yes. It is not in black and white, um, but it's a hell of a thing. That thing is incredible. Um, next, what we thought um, we would do, usually do a mix of, you know, opinionated stuff and then some new stuff. We'll run some different news stories down um, because there's a handful of things going on. Um, One word and a number, Titanfall 3 is not happening. No, it's not at all, but this uh, comes from a GameStop pre-order, which is probably just an error, almost definitely just an error, because it is listed for late 2022. There's no way this thing's true. Um, Jeff Grubb initially got out um, from GameSpeak on Twitter and just said, look guys, I was joking when I initially said Titanfall 3 became Apex Legends, or like, lol, Apex Legends is Titanfall 3, but that is the case. They had something in the works that became Apex Legends, and Titanfall 3 is not happening, Um, which is a shame because I still maintain that Titanfall 2 is The best first-person shooter. uh,
3: Give me a time frame. I mean. I would, not, I would not maintain that, but I would agree that it owns and <laughs> I want Titanfall 3 because they had such a special thing there. And then we got Apex Legends, which mm. a lot of people love, it's not for me, but why not Why not a Titanfall 3, Scott? Why can't we get one?
2: I don't really think, I mean, Respawn are inundated with projects right now. And it feels like Titanfall, I think just because of the, just how much Titanfall 2 bombed sales wise, not any indicative, not any uh, reflection of its quality whatsoever. Um, but as the story goes, if people don't know, it was released in between Call of Duty and Battle Field. Yes. front field um just completely obliterated sales uh ridiculous felt like it was sort of EA's way of trying to contend with Call of Duty's at the time future direction and then it just got completely wiped out and then people bought Battlefield anyway that year and so it was just it was just a complete mess and I I just assume that makes it very hard to get a Titanfall green layer um because they're sort of like they're seeding some stuff in Apex Legends like there are some companies mentioned that are in Titanfall that like, but even for me as a massive Titanfall fan I didn't care about the, the companies that are in charge no. of the mechs or whatever um it's all about the gameplay so i don't know if they eventually do some sort of in the best way possible free to play titanfall just to get that gameplay in front of people because titanfall 2 the reason i think it's the best ever is the locomotion it's the thing that call of duty was trying to get to and um, i don't think anyone does it better like the wall running the sliding like nothing else plays as smoothly as that no and like connects with you like you'll think in the moment or in the split second of like i want to run up that wall jump and slide under there and then uppercut that guy and do whatever and you can just do it and it just works.
3: It's so exciting, and still remains exciting. Mm. You know, even all of these years later, Titanfall Two still is um, incredible. And yeah, I would agree. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to see what they can do with that kind of set of mechanics, that sense of locomotion in a tighter team-based game like Titanfall rather than mm. Apex Legends which is obviously much bigger, mm-hmm. Battle Royale focused. Uh, I would take a free-to-play Titanfall if they had the chance to make it, but like you said, you know, Respawn has so much on their plate. They've got Apex Legends, they've got Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order 2, they've got a bunch of other Star Wars is that games the that they're first they're
2: person The first-person Star Wars first thing?
3: first-person one, the little tactical thing that they're working on. They have so many projects in the <laughs> work. <laughs> <laughs> in the works and uh is it Vince Zampella yes. who is the um the main guy in Respawn he's also now um In charge of Battlefield, you know he's he's overseeing the Battlefield franchise like that studio. That man's emails are full. That man's emails moving all day. Are full in that team, that development studio is uh, juggling a lot of plates. Yeah, I think I've just
2: thought if they because they're doing assumedly according to the rumors, according to the leaks, whatever, a first-person Star Wars game, kind of like the old Dark Forces stuff. But I have to assume bolstered by the Apex Legends engine or movement. If they do like a first-person wall runny, you know Jedi game. I might forgive that we don't get a Titanfall 3. It's just, if let me run really fast, do some cool melee stuff, grab a blaster for a bit, and ping it off as I'm running off the wall. I am out of right. the
3: game of saying that if one team takes what they're, for, <laughs> that what they're known for and applies it to Star Wars, it will work. Because mm-hmm. I used to say that all the time with Star Wars Battlefront, Scott. <laughs> I used to be like, if DICE can just take what made Battlefield, Grace, yeah. and apply it to Battlefront, it could be something special. And granted, they eventually did get there with Battlefront 2, mm. but that was two full attempts. So I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't want to say that they could make a Star Wars Titanfall game. I would love it if they did, so I just can't, I can't put my faith in EA in that <laughs> way anymore.
2: Also, as much as I'm like, oh, I'll be really cool to replicate the movement systems and the, the general sort of dynamics and everything else. There'd be no mechs because mechs don't exist in the Star Wars universe. True. As far as I know, there's never been a single mech in the Star Wars universe. I, well, you know, I wouldn't want
3: to say that. I'm not sure. 80s, 80s, I
2: guess. Well, yeah, I don't cross. class them as mechs. I no. class mechs as like walking, talking, well, yeah. walking mech and things. Well, they,
3: they talk in transformers. Form, don't they? Yeah.
2: Uh, a little bit, they sort of make little like, noises at each other ah. I think the, the sniper one does But um, Anyway, yeah, Titanfall 3, the current leak is absolutely not true, even though it would be lovely if it was. Um, next thing down though, is according to Kotaku, there's another Mafia game coming, now it's going to be set before the trilogy um, but what's interesting is that Hangar 13, uh, the developers of um, at least Mafia 3, I forget how far back they go, being classified as Hangar 13 Just 3, I think Because right, they, were, they were made from like the groups of 2K that made Mafia 1, 2 and whatever But yeah, Hayden Blackman, who's the 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 founder um, and like you know company lead of Hangar 13 has left uh, as of 2022 i think that goes back further but officially he's left as of 2022 um and they've been like they've had a lot of staff shakeups and Hangar 13 have really struggled to bring something together since Mafia 3 which was 2016 i want to say
3: wow was it uh, really?
2: either that or 2017 around there yeah it's been a while and uh-huh. even mafia 3 for as much as i genuinely loved that game like i think it dropped off eventually but like i think that like there was a um I wrote something back then, I forget the hell it was called now, but I wrote something about how awesome it was, and it got shared around. We were in the Super Bowl. Those one time, what cultures really? quotes were on the Super Bowl? Wow. Because um, it was, I can't even think what quote it was now. Something they took anyway from my positive write up of Mafia 3. And the reason was, um, I thought Mafia 3 had the same music and gameplay gut punch in a positive way as the old GTAs did. Mm. And I thought that it was just like, here's a sense of place. Like Vice City, San Andreas had such a sense of place. And Mafia 3 was like, here's our take on New Orleans and the music and the bayou. And it was like, I just was enamored by it. I thought it was like, this. This is such immaculately done, so immaculately done and the whole opening stuff as well is really, is really well done too um, but Hayden Blackman has now left um, who oversaw that project and Hunger 13 like I said have struggled to put stuff together so what do you think of them sort of going back to their roots like new team um, set way before the trilogy the rumor is that it's set in the 20s and it'll be something like the Prohibition era yeah. um, thoughts on that stuff?
3: I mean it's, it's, it's disappointing that it's taken them so long to get any kind of new project off the ground I mm. think and correct me if I'm wrong they had that superhero game in the works that apparently 2K sunk like 50 million and dogs I, was, into. I, I was
2: something else rang a bell when I was like, oh, they've had a rough few years. I think that yeah. was
3: it. Yeah, they had this like superhero game that is eventually tanked, and now they're obviously going back to what they know, which is this mafia game. Mm-hmm. The prequel kind of sounds cool. Like if you go that far back, it could be interesting. If they. I just want them to do it in the style of 1 and Mm 2. And that's not to say that I don't think 3 is good. I would echo a lot of your sentiments there. I think that's uh, an underrated open world game for sure. I got that heavily discounted, had a really great time. Mm. But I would like them to go back to the story-driven approach of 1 and 2 and the opening of 3. Because Mm. the thing that people remember about 3 is how good that opening was. That intro is insane. Yeah, just how much that gets you in that story, how well-drawn the characters are, how great the sense of place is. Like you said, Mm. if they could just reform Focus on that. Do something maybe in the 20s. Like, that would be awesome. I I don't even think they need to lean too heavily even into Mafia 1 and 2 story-wise. No, not really. Maybe have a few references, maybe have certain characters appear, but Mm -hmm. they could almost do their own thing. And hopefully, as long as it remains Mm story-driven, as long as it retains the attention to detail that made Mafia uh, 1's definitive edition so good. Like, that would be cool. Well,
2: because the Definitive Edition is genuinely really, really impressive. I feel like it didn't get that much props because I think people just thought it was a remaster, but, like, it is a full-on ground-up remake, Like, yeah. and it's, especially in terms of the animations and everything. That game, as well, has the best approach to open-world um, direction, like, telling you where it turns. You're not staring at a minimap all the time. It was like, they sort of do, like, imaginary street signs, and then they disappear. They sort of fade out as you go around the corner. I was like, that's a really cool, immersive way to, like, take me around the city without breaking stuff, and I've not seen anybody else run with that, but I feel like something like that would help map Mafia sort of like distinguish itself again because um, Mafia 3 a lot of people didn't like how it was more anarchic and over the top and more like GTA where it's like 1 and 2 are way more detail focused like your car breaks down you can get out and actually fix the carburetor so it stops smoking or whatever pulling a random car idea or my whole, but I think that's something to do with fixing a car um, but that whole approach to like world design and stuff I think that's what they need to get back to um, do you reckon they've bro- blown their load blown their possibilities on they can't now redo the Mafia 2 remake properly because they did the definitive edition of that yeah. and that was the remaster that was terrible yeah. um, that was one of the most broken things that anyone's ever played and then Mafia 3 got a quote unquote remaster but it was just the same game with a slightly higher resolution yeah. so do you think they just bin off the trilogy and just try and start again?
3: I think they might you know I would take for sure Mafia 2 in the style of the Mafia 1 mm-hmm. Definitive Edition but yeah I bought that remaster In it was I one remember of the your most, little face oh I was so disappointed I used to love those <laughs> games and that remaster was just so trash so mm-hmm. yeah I hope whatever this is it's treated with the respect that Mafia 1 was rather than phoned in like Mafia 2 and 3 that's just yes. all I can hope and I just I want Hangar 13 to actually have a project that I can work on and have fans look forward to. I think
2: it's, it's. I'm assuming that at some point we'll get a, a tell all what happened thing with Hayden Blackburn because he's the founder of the company and he's left and so uh, and also their parent company was 2K who are notoriously horrible to work with in regards to like hitting certain deadlines or just prioritizing things that would let them get something out the door. Um, I had a quick cursory Google of the superhero game. Apparently uh, it was upwards of $50 million spent on that game that didn't come together. Hangar 13's open world um, uh, sci-fi superhero game um, that completely went sideways. So I imagine if you're the founder, burning heads with publishers all the time, and they're going, do a do a superhero thing. That's what the kids like. And then you waste all the money and you can (laughs) do have mafia. Then that goes sideways with the definitive editions um, of everything other than one that maybe you're like, I'm actually done. I'm just going to step away from this thing. Totally.
3: I mean, it's seven years of someone's life, you know, (sighs) like seven full years Hitting heads against these projects that go nowhere, mm-hmm. you probably would be like, "This is just not for me." Starting
2: back when The Witcher Three came out, that's and crazy. then and then going Easy. like, "I've actually got nothing to show for it." No, that's, that's just.
3: I mean, I get annoyed when I've done like two hours of work and it might get, you know, changed for something else. Never mind seven full years. I get Um, annoyed with
2: Yomi's checkpoints.
3: Never mind Metal Gear Solid 5. 2K, though, we we give WB a lot of crap for, you know, wasting their studios, Mm. having these projects that go nowhere, swapping around Superman and the Suicide Squad and Batman and what have you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But 2K is probably just as bad, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is going on with Bioshock 4? What has been going on with Hangar 13? What's going on with Ken Levine's team? You know, we've got all of these studios that Mm. should be making like stuff, should be big names in gaming. And they've just had these projects canceled. They've had these directionless years where we've seen nothing. It's weird that so many developers have gotten into this rut. And I don't know whether it is the developers or whether it is the publishers, probably a mix of both, mm. but it's weird now that we have 2K and WB making very similar mistakes. Well, 2K were
2: the ones who have had the full-on gambling mechanics in their games, like full-on yeah. slot machines, um, wheels of fortune type stuff. They were the ones who just st- tried to steer full bore into that stuff and it was horrible. Um, and the NBA games are still full of that stuff. Thank Hopefully the latest WWE is way more on track than it has been in like over a decade or something but that's still made by Visual Concepts, who are the NBA devs who stepped in after the WWE team left. Um, so there's been one thing that's been super solid coming out of um, 2K. I know, that, I know that like NBA fans have just come to live with the state of the NBA games. Um, but yeah, next uh, news item down is all the Square Enix stuff, um, which is just that they sold off all their Western properties. Um, you know, Deus Ex, The Avengers, Tomb Raider, Thief, and Legacy of Kane. Um, whilst sort of giving and they also, there's, a, there's so many things they got wrong and um, they've all kind of co- like a confluence of things that all happened at once and um, because yes they sold off all their western properties they're all the ones that I just mentioned and um, it was revealed that they lost 200 million dollars on um, the Avengers and Guardians so both their Marvel games didn't do well at all probably because there was zero marketing for the Guardians uh, of the Galaxy <laughs> game even though it's very very solid um, at least story wise um, but all this stuff wrapped back around to a letter from President Yasuke Matsuda who said at the beginning of the year that he thinks NFTs are the future of gaming and they want to double down on NFTs and that's the way to go and um, However, and again, it's just hilarious timing. Um, coming a week after they sold all their uh, Western properties off, the NFT market is apparently flatlining, literally, as I quote, flatlining, according to the Wall Street Journal, as it's down 92%, Amazing, which is hilarious. Um, there was something that came from Tom Tenders Henderson saying that the um, amount of transactions going through are 92% down, but the amount of revenue is still quite high. So it seems to point to you know the whales, the people with ludicrous amounts of money to waste slash spend slash definitely waste are the ones propping up the NFT amounts, but not in the actual uh, amount of transactions that are happening. Um, what do you think of all this stuff? Is the is the future of gaming in NFTs, Josh?
3: I don't think it is, but uh, um, <laughs> we 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 know through experience that developers, I mean publishers, absolutely love their so called whales. They love people <laughs> with individuals with incredible amounts of money to pump incredible amounts of money into their live services and what mm-hmm. have you. So I can totally see this from a business perspective, but it's like you've got all of the, again, you've got all of these all these great developers, you've got all of these great IPs, mm-hmm. and you just sell them off for uh, however much money because they're not reaching your expectations. Mm-hmm. I've got a, I've got a bit of advice for you, Square Enix. Have you ever tried making a good game? <laughs> Have you ever tried, like, just being not crap? Like, just not maybe, doing
2: Wonder Wonderworld just, or The Quiet Man?
3: Not doing what any was of that. that? Not doing NFTs, just making good games. I'm <laughs> telling you, man, like, Square Enix are going the way of Konami at this rate, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's just a total waste of talent. And these studios deserve better. And I hope, I know they're going to embrace Embrace, uh, it. I don't actually know too much about that company or that group, but I hope that those developers and those IP get more love than what well, they had at Square.
2: Embracer seem to be, because they're so umbrella topic, satellite like company over the top of so many studios now, like hilariously, ironically, they are called Embracer, but the amount of stuff, if you look at like, there was a pie chart doing the rounds a few weeks ago of the amount of different umbrella companies owning everything, whether it be, uh, you know, Xbox slash Microsoft or Embracer or uh, Tencent or whoever, and Embracer owned like a good sort of two thirds of that pie, like they are doing extremely well into of uh, acquisitions, Um, but because they are so sort of disconnected, let's say, and they're the very, very top, they sort of just let their teams do stuff, and it seems like, I mean, they're the ones in charge of um, THQ Nordic, and so, like, they've managed to come back very strong, and so, hopefully, they just sort of stay hands-off. I mean, like, any of us playing the Avengers could have seen what should have happened with that game, Um, and you would hope that with the amount of IP they've just acquired, um, Deus, excuse me, should be a big deal, Tomb Raider should be a much bigger deal, Legacy of Kane should be a way bigger deal, they're right there.
3: I'm shaking my hand at you because you're so <laughs> right. Like, uh, it's crazy that this has happened just after they announced that new Tomb Raider game as well. Yes. Like what's going on with that? Um, I only wonder what happens with um, their Japanese developers now. Like, what happens with Final Fantasy? It's
2: Final like, Fantasy VII Tau- Remake Part Two is not coming.
3: It, what if? Go on. What if? And I know the rumors doing the rounds a few months ago mm. from, I think it was Jeff Grubb and Greg Miller who had kind of heard that Sony might have been interested in buying Square Enix. Like mm. That was the rumor they heard, and obviously that might not be the case. What would... And I ask you this, would <laughs> Sony still buy Square Enix if it was just for their Japanese properties? Because they obviously have a long history with mm. Final Fantasy and what have you.
2: If you, if they can say the words, Final Fantasy is exclusive to PlayStation forever and Dragon Quest is exclusive to PlayStation forever, then yes, you've just bought the Japanese market back again. Right. Because for the longest time, especially for the first sort of, like, I don't know, five, six months of the PS5 being on sale, it was underperforming. It felt like a lot of the general scuttlebutt coming from a lot of the Japanese press was that most people... In Japan, most longtime fans of Sony felt like Sony had turned their back on the company. Like they changed, almost like small things, but they changed, you know, their um, enter slash accept button from circle to X, which is a Western thing. Like we always use X to go into stuff. Um they got rid of a whole bunch of different uh, Japanese teams. They got rid of some Japanese IP. There were just a lot of things. And they moved their headquarters to, I think it was um, Florida or something. Right. They moved their HQ from Japan um, to the West. So there was a lot of stuff with Sony where the Japanese audience just kind of went, you guys aren't for us anymore. Like you're not Sony anymore. Um, and so, which is the Jim Ryan era, let's say. Like it's sort of like that whole thing, the Western thing. Um, but I know that sales have stabilised I know PS5 did take back off in, P- in uh, Japan again but it's interesting because yeah if they go no we're re-embracing our Japanese roots and we're proud of Japanese devs and we're buying Final Fantasy excuse me What's why is my throat going away Chris Josh so emotional I've got all these takes coming out <laughs> and uh, yeah if they buy Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest is one of the biggest IPs on the planet then I think you immediately get a, a huge resurgence in um, that whole market caring again but I mean Final Fantasy 16 is exclusive like assumedly hopefully this year like like their director was getting out there saying the game is finished. So um, there is that. Maybe they're waiting to announce it alongside that.
3: Well, this is the thing. I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, they've already got this third-party relationship where Mm -hmm. a lot of Square Enix's Japanese games are already exclusive. Like you said, Final Fantasy 16 Mm -hmm. They've got Forspoken later on this year. Like, those deals are already in place. Forgot that was even a thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not not saying they're good deals. (laughs) I'm just saying the deals are in place. Uh, But, yeah, for me, it makes sense for Sony to just go, well, what if we just... But yeah, yeah. we wouldn't have to go through these uh, third party things because you'd be first party.
2: Mm-hmm. The whole thing with Final Fantasy 7 remake is like fascinating as well. Obviously, uh, Tetsuya Nomura, Kingdom Hearts guy, came in very much Tetsuya Nomura Final Fantasy 7's lore and the way that game ends is ridiculous. And then they did the integrated thing that was like almost uh, focused on uh, Yuffie and a sort of her story chapter, and then nothing. Like we've had nothing at all. Like the integrated stuff teases what's next, but then um, Tetsuya Nomura stepped back as director. I forget who's um, took his place, but there's been no overall plan. Like they've said that they don't know how many installments they're going to need to tell the story. Um, and coupled with the fact that, um, you know, anyone that they're answering to doesn't know what's going on, any of their bosses or whatever, then it's kind of telling that they don't know. We don't know when the hell final fantasy seven thing is even going to happen again. I
3: respect him just being like, peace <laughs> out. I'm going to do kingdom hearts fall.
2: Just go, going back to his roots. Just yeah. being, like, Oh yeah, just make the shoes smaller. Let's annoy people about that with their Sora's character design and everything. But yeah, Square Enix in a hell of a gross place right now. I mean, there was all the reports that came out that Final Fantasy VII Remake had saved them anyway. Um, Back when the Avengers bombed, apparently it was um said that if they hadn't released Final Fantasy VII Remake and that hadn't performed as well as it did, um, they would have gone under because they lost so much money in the moment or whatever from the Avengers, um, which as we found out cumulatively was $200 million. Um, But yeah, it just seems like they're just day working day to day. And I don't know if they have a wider plan. I but can only hope. There's a Final Fantasy Seven Battle Royale coming out,
3: That's so certainly
2: is. Maybe that's the way. Um, but yes, for now, this has been the windup. Remember 10 years ago when we talked about Trek to Yomi?
3: I simply cannot. What is that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sometime in 2018, I think. But come find us on social media. Let us know what you think of Trek to Yomi. We'll maybe do a spoiler cast depending on um, if we get through the story and just if it feels like enough people want to talk about that thing. Um, but yes, for now, this has been the windup. I've been your host, Scott Tailford, joined
3: by Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Telford. Always
2: a pleasure to be heard by all of you. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>